Man, we're so glad you're here today. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Isn't it good to gather together with other believers and remind ourselves of the reality of who God is? I just love the church. I love the body of Christ. The local church is the hope of the world, everyone. And we get to be a part of it. Isn't that amazing? Come on, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, I just want to say a very special hello this morning. Um, again, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church. And I have a beautiful wife here, Tanya, who is leading worship this morning. And three wonderful kids who I looked down at them while I was leading worship, and they were doing pretty good this morning. So I was really proud of them. Um, you know, sometimes it's not the case. You might see my eye get a little like sometimes. But this morning, I thought they were pretty good. They were up and they were singing, so I was, I was proud of them. Um, three wonderful kids just came through the, the Christmas season. Um, also, I am just so anybody's in case anybody's wondering, I will be cheering for the Seahawks this afternoon. So if yeah, I thought there might be a few of you here that would be joining me. So just wanted to let you know that we'll be praying for grace and favor for them this morning as well. Um, but we're going into the new year and going into the new year, we're starting a new series. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that series after we read our scripture this morning. But the title is Greater Than. Greater Than. And this morning, the subject will be Greater Than Our Vision. By the way, the sermon's already been preached this morning through the prophetic words. So um, I'm actually just kind of elaborating on what God has already spoken to us this morning. That's pretty cool. And I'm excited to be able to deliver this message to you this morning. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Psalm chapter 145, in verse 1. We're going to read uh, the first five verses of Psalm 145. I've got the third verse up here right now, because that's going to be our launching pad for this series, is this verse up that's up there right now. But I want to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read it, then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to preach, and then we're going to go cheer for those Seahawks. Okay, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Come on. I could just start preaching right now. Sometimes you just need to tell yourself that. You just need to remind yourself of that. Sometimes you just need to say, I will glorify God. I will lift him up. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day, every day, I will bless you. It's you I live for. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. All right, I'm just going to sit down. Have a nice day. Enjoy. Just take that with you. Chew on that all day. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to serve the mighty king of the universe. Oh, the one who was and is and is to come, the holy God. Oh, God, and we're so grateful that you have made a way for us to come into your presence and to come into relationship with you. And this morning, Lord God, I pray that as these words are spoken, Lord God, that they would accomplish what they are set out to do and they will not return void. I pray that you would use me as your vessel to speak your words clearly, concisely, and quickly, Lord Jesus, so that we can hear it and we can go and live it, Lord Jesus. We pray that you'd help me this morning. God, I get out of the way. I say, come and do whatever you want to do. This is about you, God. It's not about me. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Well, Happy New Year.
we have officially entered a new decade. The year is 2020. And we already kind of had a little bit of an insight into that. But what do you think of when you hear the numbers 2020? Right? It's so easy. It's like vision. So as Pastor Mike and I began to pray into and prepare for the new year and talk about it, that idea of vision, of course, was stoked in our minds. Vision, vision, vision. What do we want to say about vision? You see, when we come into a new year, we come into a new epoch in time, it's customary for us, first of all, to reflect on the past, to look back in these moments. And also it's customary for us to begin to look forward into the future. And my question for you this morning, Life Church, is what do you see in 2020? What do you see in 2020? And of course, our vision is not perfect. People throughout history have tried to predict what the future would look like. I picked out some of my favorites from the past of people that predicted what the year 2020 would look like. Lecturer at the uh, College of Surgeons in England in 1911, a surgeon by the name of Richard Clement Lucas, made a curious prediction that the useless outer toes would be used less and less so that man might become a one-toed race. So he predicted that by the year 2020, we would have one toe. Yeah, that's wrong. Evolution. Okay, Uh, next. In 1990, in 1966, there's an inventor by the name of Arthur C. Clarke, a futurist and a science writer, who predicted that by 2020, we would live in flying houses. Hey, would that be cool? I'm going to Hawaii. Boop. Take my house with me. In 1951, Popular Mechanics, the magazine, predicted that by the 21st century, everyone would have at least one helicopter in their garage. In the uh, 1939 issue of British Vogue, a product designer, Gilbert Road, predicted that men would wear hats with antennas in them to pick up radio signals. We'd also have disposable socks. That'd be cool. I'd like that. I wouldn't mind that. In 1911, Thomas Edison, the famous inventor, predicted that by the 21st century, all of our houses would be furnished by furniture composed of steel. I am grateful that that one did not come true. All right, and finally, in, in 19, 1959, American Postmaster General Arthur E. Summerfield predicted that long-distance mail would be delivered via guided missile. Apparently, they tried it in the 1950s, and they're like, this is amazing. It's going to happen everywhere. We'll have mail in Australia. Whoosh! Yeah, but we have something better, don't we? Email. It's hard to predict the future. No one knows it. And as we look into 2020, we try to think about what do we expect from the future. Um, Our sister, what's your name again? Julia, what a great word. Spoke this earlier, and this is the truth. We don't know what the future holds, but there's some things I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you that there's going to be some great mountaintop experiences in the coming years. That this decade will hold some of the greatest times of your life. That it'll be some amazing seasons in your life. But I can also guarantee you that in these next few years, and in this year, and in this next decade, there will be some dark and deep valley experiences as well. The Bible says that in this world you will have trials, but have faith because I have overcome the world. So there are going to be some highs, and there are going to be some lows. And as I begin to think about a vision for 2020, I begin to think about a people of faith, 
that we're consumed and preoccupied with the greatest reality. And that is that our God is greater. That no matter what we face this year, there's one thing that we can know for sure. That our God is greater. That the book of Psalms, as it says, it says, our God is great and his greatness is unsearchable. So again, my question for you today is, what do you see? Here's how we're going to unpack this this morning. I'm going to start out by giving you a biblical foundation for the greatness of God based on his attributes. The, the attributes that the Bible tells us about God, about who he is. And then what we're going to do is we're going to use a Bible story to apply that to our lives going into the year 2020. Again, the subject is greater than our vision. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start by talking about six essential attributes of God. So I want you to hang with me because it's going to get a little bit academic, but we're going to, we're going to breeze through this part to get into a part where we're going to talk about a scripture, a story from the Bible to apply it to our lives. Okay, you guys with me? Okay, here we go. Number one. What do we know about God? Number one, God is eternal. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So first of all, what does the Bible tell us? It tells us that God is eternal. That means that he lives outside of our time domain. The idea of eternity is time out of mind. We can't even comprehend or even begin to comprehend entirely what that looks like or what that means. So our God who is eternal, who exists in eternity, is outside of our time. He has no beginning and he has no end. He is greater. He is greater. Number two, God is self-existent. Of course, the big question that my kids would ask me would be, Dad, Who created God? And the response to that is no one. He exists within himself. John 5, 26. And I've got lots of scriptures, by the way. If you need more scriptures for this, come and ask me afterwards. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. God is self-existent. There's no beginning. There's no end. And he exists within himself. God is greater than. God is greater than. No one created him. Number three. God is immutable. What does that mean? That's a big word. It means unchanging. God is unchanging. So although he is greater than we could ever imagine, he is also unchanging. Unchanging, God. There's no one like you. Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So he is self-existent. He is in eternity. He is eternal. And he is immutable. He is unchanging. Number four, God is omnipotent. Can we all just say that word? That's just a fun word to say. One, two, three, omnipotent. It means all-powerful. God can do anything. Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. His greatness is unsearchable. So he is eternal. He is self-existent. <laughs> he is immutable or unchanging. He is omnipotent or all-powerful. And number five, God is omniscient is the next word. Everybody say that. One, two, three, four. Omniscient. Thank you. Omniscient means that he is all-knowing. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. 
He is all-knowing. He knows everything. He sees you when you're sleeping. Just kidding. That was last season. Sorry. But he is all-knowing. He knows. He knows. God is all-knowing. Number six, God is omnipresent. And that word means that he is everywhere. He is everywhere. Jeremiah 23, verse 24. Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? There's nowhere that we can go where we can hide from his presence. He is always with us. He is greater than. He is greater than. So he is eternal. He is self-existent. He is unchanging. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And he is everywhere. His greatness is unsearchable. So what does that actually look like? What does that mean? Can I give you a deeper understanding or revelation of what it means when we talk about these attributes of God? I think we see it here in the book of Revelation. Can we ever exhaust his greatness? In the book of Revelation, there's a passage that says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So church, this passage is a vision. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They never cease. Now, I don't know about you, But when I hear those words being said over and over and over again, I hear about any phrase being heard over and over again constantly. That doesn't sound very exciting. In fact, as a parent, that's called torture. Like when my kids are like, Daddy, 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 honey, just just a second. Daddy, 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 that, that does not inspire me. That doesn't get me, uh, in the natural, if I were just to hear that and say, okay, hey, there's this place, it's called heaven, it's so great, you want to go there. When you get there, you're going to hear over and over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You're going to hear it over and over again, over and over again. That doesn't inspire me or excite me for heaven unless you know that his greatness is unsearchable. Because think about it like this. The four living creatures say holy, and there's a fresh revelation that comes with that holy. He is unchanging. Wow. Holy. He is all-powerful. Wow. Holy. Oh, man, not is he unchanging. He's all-powerful, but he is the perfect God. He is consistent in his nature. He doesn't change. He's immutable. Wow. Cannot exhaust his greatness. Because there's a new revelation that comes every time you say the word. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You cannot exhaust his greatness. That is the greatness of our God. Holy. Wow. It means that he's he's faithful to me. Holy, it means that he doesn't change. That if he says he loves me, he's not going to change his love for me. Holy, it means that he is all powerful so he can do anything that I need in this life. Holy, he is consistent. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That thought just blows my mind. There is no end to him. There is no end to his greatness. So what does that mean? our lives. We're going to spend the next five Sundays exploring this. 
might be four after this. I think there's five in total. This idea of God is greater than. And the reason for that is because I want this to be a foundation for us as we go into this new year and this new decade. That there is none who is greater than him. Amen? He is greater than our vision. What does this mean for us? I'd like you to turn your Bibles today as we apply this passage to Acts chapter 6. And as we look into the future, what do you see? What do you see? Acts chapter 6, verse 5. And this is, I'm just going to, what I'm going to do, you can follow along. I'm actually just in the interest of time going to tell you the story of what happened here. And I'll I'll read some of the highlighted passages that uh, I have this morning. Um, But this is the story of the apostles in the New Testament. The apostles are God's disciples who become the apostles. They are the head of the church. When Jesus goes and ascends into heaven, he leads the, leaves these, these 12 apostles in charge of the church. And so they're doing what they're called to do. They're, they're gathering together, and they're preaching, and they're teaching, and there's signs and wonders that are following them everywhere. And in the meantime, they're also doing very practical things. So they're feeding people. And as they're feeding people, all this um, uh, uh, controversy starts to erupt because some people are getting fed last, and some people are getting fed first. And so there's all this disorganization that's taking place and it's taking a lot of their time away from what they should actually be doing which is declaring the gospel and preaching his truth and and healing the sick and raising the dead and so all this is going on and so they decide they come up with this idea they gather together say this is this is dumb we shouldn't be wasting our time like this we've got so much more that god wants us to do so here's what we're going to do we're going to organize and we're going to set out some new leaders that are going to be in charge of waiting on tables and feeding people and so they, they, they gather these people together, they come up with some names, and they choose a group of people. And this is what it says in Acts, would it be said of us? And that's what they said about Stephen, and Philip, and Procurus, and, and a couple other people that they had lit, lit up. And they set them before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. And then the word of the Lord spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. So here's Stephen, and what is he doing? What is his job? His job is to serve people food. That's what he's doing. Stephen is serving people food. And you know what the Bible says about Stephen? It says this. In verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So here's Stephen. What is his job? His job is to serve food. Now, what Stephen could have done is just really just just grabbed a hold of that role and just been like, yeah, I'm a server. And he could have been like, hey, I'm just going to bring this person some food over here and some person. And then somebody would have come that was sick and he would have said, hey, uh, they would have said, we, we, we have somebody that needs prayer. And he said, okay, I'll get the apostle for you. I'm the food guy. That's what I do. That's my role. I'm just the food guy. I'm just here to, to serve you food. So I'm going to go get an apostle for you and he's going to come pray for you because that's not, that's not me. That's not my role. But the Bible says that Stephen was full of faith and power and great signs and wonders followed him among the people. Here's my first thing. What do you see? There are miracles all around you. See, some of you might be sitting here today and say, Matt, I'm just a teacher. I teach. That's what I do. Some of you might be sitting here today and say, Matt, I, I, I'm retired. That's what I do. 
You might be sitting here today and say, Matt, I'm a mechanic. That's what I do. But I believe what God is calling us to is to see things greater than we see ourselves. And to see the greater one who is with us. And to recognize that if God is with you, there are miracles all around you. Life Church, would 2020 be a year where we begin to see God move in our place of ministry? Amen. Can I just tell you something? Can I just release you this morning and just tell you every person here who is a follower of Jesus, you are a minister of the gospel. This is not on us. This is not Pastor Mike and me. Hey, we'll just tell everybody about Jesus. You bring him in, we'll tell him the truth. No, 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 no. It's you. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. God is working in you. And in your position, you might not feel like it's much. I'm just serving tables. That's all I'm doing. I'm just setting up chairs on Sunday morning. I'm just a greeter at the door. I'm just a mechanic. This is all that I do. No. There are miracles around you. There are miracles around you. Matthew, Mark chapter 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. I love that idea. They're just following behind you. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. No matter where you are in life, his miracles are near you. What do you see? What do you see? His greatness is unsearchable. Yeah, but Matt, I can't do it because I have this and this. No, no, his greatness is unsearchable. Yeah, but Matt, you don't know about my situation. You don't know about my marriage and what I'm wrestling with right now. But yeah, but his greatness is unsearchable. There are miracles all around you. Amen. Amen. His greatness is unsearchable. our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Just had to take a praise break because his greatness is unsearchable. He is working in you. He is working in you. Here's the next thing that happens. So Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Come on, let that be said of me is doing great signs and wonders among the people. And then it says, there arose some among them called the, from the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those of Sicilia and, Sicilia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. They started to come against him because God was doing great things. It was standing out. And what did it say? It says, and they were not able to resist him, resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Number two, year 2020, what do you see greater than our vision? What is it? There is wisdom and anointing for salvation. Come on, I declare over Life Church that 2020, the year and the decade, is a year of salvation. That God is going to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation to speak truth and to speak life. And I, can I just tell you right now, if you're starting to get overwhelmed by that thought, it's not on you. Okay, we don't save anybody. I standing up here, I can't save you. It's Christ working in you that draws people. If I be lifted up, 
I will draw all men. It's the preaching of the gospel. It's the declaration of that truth that's lived out in your life. And you know what the Bible talks about? It talks about a wisdom that comes from above. In Ephesians 1.17, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The Bible says that there is a spirit of wisdom. If you read in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, wisdom starts to speak. I think it's in the third chapter. And it says, I will give you my spirit. Wisdom comes from the spirit of God. It's not on you. It's an anointing. So what does that mean for us? We need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to come to church on Sunday ready to receive what God is going to do. As we worship him, you know what happens as we worship him? We lift up his name and that becomes a reality in our mind and it builds faith. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as we hear the word of God, it builds our faith. And you know what the Bible says? That God responds to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For if you comes to God, must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Come on there. What do you see? What do you see? There are miracles all around you. What do you see? There is uh, an anointing for salvation. There is wisdom and an anointing for salvation. Amen? It's not on you. It's Christ in you. Christ is working in you. Christ is working in you. Amen. And number three. So what happens next? I'll read it. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him to the council. And they also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against his holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him and saw his face as the face of an angel. And then Stephen began to speak. And he began to, to tell the story. The story of Israel. He began to tell the stories. And in his stories he would always have the people that did God's will. And the people that did not do God's will. And he would contrast them as he began to tell the story. And the people listened with rapt attention. As he went through the history. Their history. Reminding them of the great followers of, G- of God. And those that resisted the followers of God. And he concludes his message. In Acts, I'm going to have a drink of water right now. Thank you. In Acts, he concludes his message. By ticking off everybody that was listening to him. Because then he tells them, you are just like those that don't listen. You are just like your fathers who resisted what God was doing. And this is what he says. In verse uh, verse 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. 
Which of the prophets did your fathers not prosecute, persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Oh. Drop the mic. And when they heard these things, the Pharisees, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed their teeth at him. And there's anger. You can feel the tension in the room. It's coming against him. And these people have the power to sentence him to death. These people have the power of his life in his hands. And I don't know about you, but if I was in that situation, I'd be thinking really hard and praying really hard. God, what should I do? And what does Stephen do? It says, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Church, would it be possible that we could be a people who are so in tune with the Spirit of God that when we do face the dark seasons this year, that we could say, I don't even see you, but I see the Lord. Number three, there is vision to carry you through. Do you know what it says in the book of Psalms? In 23, it says that, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with us. Because God is here. Because he is with us now. What is going to steady us? What is going to anchor us? That was such a great word last week. If you didn't hear it, you got to check it out. Pastor John Clark, amazing. Anchor us. As we move forward into 2020, I can't tell you the future. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I know there's going to be some mountaintop experiences. I know there's going to be some dark valleys. But that which will anchor us as we move forward into these next years is going to be the reality that God is greater and his greatness is unsearchable. That he is eternal, that he is unending, that he has no beginning and no end, that he is all powerful, that he is all knowing, that our God can do anything. When that becomes more real to you than what you see around you, then you will have the strength to get through the valley. You will have the strength. To get through the valley. Colossians 3.2 says. Set your mind on things above. Not on things of this earth. So again my question for you today is. What do you see? What do you see? What is the greatest reality in your life? Because there was a man by the name of Stephen. Who was facing death. And in the face of people. Gnashing their teeth. His vision was clear. And he said, I see the Lord. I don't even see you. I see Jesus, my hope and my salvation, my light in the darkness, my hope of glory. I see him. And the Bible tells us that they took him out and they stoned him. 
And he knelt down with a loud voice and said, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when they had said this, he fell asleep. The Bible talks about a peace that passes understanding. It's a supernatural peace. Maybe some of you have experienced this. That when you're in the darkest valley, even in the midst of that, you can sense God's peace. He is greater. He is greater. He is greater. So as I close today, I want to ask you, what do you see? Did you know that there are miracles all around you? Did you know that there is supernatural wisdom and anointing for salvation? And do you know that no matter what you face in the coming year, he is with you and his greatness is unsearchable? Let that be an anchor for you as we move forward. God is eternal. He is self-existent. He is unchanging. He is all-powerful and all-knowing and always present. And his greatness is unsearchable. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward this morning. We're going to kick off 2020 by taking communion together as a church. But just as we do that this morning, as the worship team is coming up, I want to pray with you. And this morning, if you're here, and yeah, if we could get those that are serving communion to come forward. If you're here this morning, first of all, if you're here this morning, and you would say, Matt, I've never known God's greatness in my life. I've been searching for something. I've been searching for something to fill that need within me, that need for peace but I've never known that God in my life. And today I want to take a step towards knowing him. I'd like you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. We always want to do this, church. We never want to take this for granted because this is what we're here for, is that people would be brought to Jesus, that they would come to know him as well. The Bible tells us that we're separated from God. It's our natural state For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I want to know if there's anybody here this morning who says, I have not had a belief in God, but this morning I want to take a step and I want to declare that I believe in God. And I'm going to follow him. If there's anybody here this morning that says, for the first time, I want to make a step towards following God. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Wherever you are right now, I just want you to raise your hand. Is there anybody here that says, I want to follow God? First time. First time. Okay. Thank you. Now, let's all stand. And let's just raise up our hands to God this morning. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to take communion.
Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your presence. You are our ever-present help in times of trouble. And we meditate on your greatness. And this morning we declare over our lives that you are greater. No matter what we're facing this morning, Lord God, we know it to be true. And it is an anchor for our souls. We rely on your greatness. That you are greater than death. That you are greater than sickness. That you are greater than fear and depression. God, that you are greater than even this church, Lord God. You are greater. And our hope is not in ourselves. But our hope is in you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.